Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. But it's good to be with you. It's good to be with you today. If you've never been here before, uh, we're going to be here for the next 35 minutes together. Uh, we're going to open up God's Word. And uh, we're talking on the, on the, the concept or the thought of uh, being prepared to die. And so life goes fast. Anybody agree? Okay, oftentimes it ends before you think it's going to end, and a lot of times we waste it. And so the whole point of this message is let's, let's take a look at time. Time is priceless. you got to spend it. You can't save it. You can waste it or you can invest it. We talked, that's what we, how we started. Last week I told you, here's some ways people are wasting their time, their life. First one, um, you're sweating the small stuff. Anybody have that, that sermon or that, that word constantly kind of reminding you this week as you wanted to freak out? I had to spend two hours on the phone with Ikea this week because they didn't send the stuff to us. They were supposed to send it to us at the church, and I have to inform you, I sweated the small stuff, and so uh, I did not handle it right, and then after I got off the phone, somebody was like, hey, didn't you just preach on that? And I was like, shut up, right? Shut up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, and so, uh, so next week, we're going to take a look at um, uh, investing or thinking or spending time focused on things that matter. So I'm going to teach you how to view things through the scope of eternity, right? And so... Uh, spend your life doing things that are going to matter long after you're not here. And the last week, we'll take a look at um, taking the, 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 the step or stepping out in faith. Wherever God is calling you to step out, too many people end up their life at the end and they have regret. I don't want to have regret. Anybody else? And so I want to do everything God has called me to do. And so today I want to talk to you about something that I know is going to be something that is... So, Everybody in this room probably struggles with. Like, it, if you're not Jesus and nobody is here, this is something you've been through and you have the tendency to, to, uh, to not move through as well as you should. And I, I'm gonna, by the end of it, I want you to know it's a complete waste uh, of your life. And so the title of my message today is Don't Hold Grudges. Okay, as soon as I say it, grudges, how many of you think of somebody right away in your, face, in your mind, you're like, okay, I hate that person. Anybody? Okay, I want you to think about them right now right? And I, this is not PG church. Uh, I want you to be honest. I don't want you to yell it out loud, right? They might be sitting beside you. And so um, the person that you hold a grudge with, the, pers- the people, the, it could be, could be a, a loved one, could be a parent, could be um, a, a spouse, could be a co-worker, could be a business partner, could be somebody, let's just, can I just get real frank? Could be somebody that's abused you, uh, it could be somebody that uh, gossiped about you, somebody that, that hurt you, right? It, it happens all the time. You get hurt, you get gossiped about, you get let down, you get abused, you face hardship, you endure difficulty, and when you go through those things, you have a tendency to hold a grudge because it feels good, right? It feels good. I once heard somebody say, holding a grudge is like biting yourself and expecting it to hurt the other person. You want to do that right now? Everybody pull your sleeve down and just chomp down on that arm as hard as you can. And it, like, who's the idiot in that situation? Come on, who is it? It's you. The other person is, they're probably sleeping right now. Let's be honest. They're not at church, right? They're at brunch. You're here. Like, they're not, 
they're not here right now, but you want them to feel pain. And so uh, I started thinking about this concept. And uh, so every, the Bible says everything, everything comes, like everything happens, right? Like nothing is new under the sun. You can read that in Ecclesiastes. Like, so when something happens, it's not new. Our challenges in life are not new. Like they're, they're just, they just keep kind of revolving, right? Like the, the, Bible, the Bible says that. And so one of the things that, that's, that's now become popular again is card collecting. Got any card collectors in here? It's the new crypto. And so um, no card collectors. So if you're a kid, anybody have kids that are collecting cards? Okay, so it's big deal again. And I love it because I'm like, dude, like, not all is lost. You know how when you get older, you're like, the world is falling apart and everything's wrong with kids? That's what old people say. And so, so this is one of those things where I'm like, dude, they're getting it. Like, they're collecting cards again. And, and so I remember when I was a kid, I collected uh, baseball cards. And so you didn't, football, I didn't collect basketball. I was strictly baseball cards. This box is literally from 1989. It says it right here, baseball cards. And then this is when I moved from Oklahoma to Pennsylvania. I want everybody to know it goes in the garage. And so, but I, my wife was like, are you going to clean that box up? I was like, no, it's, it's, it's for my illustration. Leave me alone. And so, um, and so this box is filled with, with baseball cards, like, um, cards that I collected over the years. And so um, my life, when I was a young man, my life was baseball cards. I used to go to baseball card stores, anybody else, and uh, I would collect them. I would get sleeves of baseball cards. I used to go to stores, and I would, I would trade cards in. I used to, remember, before the internet, remember you have, to, you have to read books? You remember that? And so you couldn't go online and see how much stuff was worth. So you used to get these index. I don't even remember what they were called. And they would, they would tell you how much a card is worth and, you know, what, what it is. And so I used to go to baseball stores. And, I, and so I, I've been saved and I've been sanctified. And so now I'm a, I love Philadelphia sports. But when I was a young man, um, I, I didn't care about that. And so, like, people say, like, have yeah, you liked the Eagles your whole life? I got to be honest. I'm just make a confession. When I was a little, little kid, I liked the Giants. Because uh, they were good. <laughs> and so, and the Eagles were not. And so, uh, I liked Lawrence Taylor. I liked Phil Sims. I liked Jeff Hostetler. You remember him? And so, and then in baseball, I didn't really care about the Phillies. And some, Mike, Mike Schmidt was not my favorite player. My favorite player, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it, was Daryl Strawberry. Anybody remember Daryl Strawberry? So, Daryl Strawberry. So, I, I bet the farm on Daryl Strawberry. Like, I collected every, I would take cards, and I'd be like, hey, I got a Ken Griffey Jr. card. I got a, I got a Wade Boggs rookie card. I got all these cards, and they'd be like, I'd be like, I want to trade them in. What do you want to trade them for? I want every Daryl Strawberry card you have. So I had 75 Daryl Strawberry cards. I, listen, at one point in my life, with all of my cards, I was a 10,000 heir. I had, I, I had $10,000 worth of cards in my, in my collection. I was rich. Like, I was, I, I was never going to work a day in my life. My Daryl Strawberry cards were worth so much money than Daryl Strawberry did drugs, and he ruined everything. And so, <laughs> but he's now saved, and he's a pastor, and so it's a total redemption story, but he still ruined my, my, my plans. I would like to tell him. And uh, my mom actually met him because he's a preacher, so I would love to tell him what he did to me. And so... Um, <laughs> Now I'm a Phillies fan because of him. And so, so I kept all these cards for years. I thought, oh, man, they're going to be worth money. And so I remember a lot of dads at my, at my, at my, when I was a young man were also collecting cards. It was their retirement. Like they, were, they had all these cards, right? And so everybody held these cards. They were worth all this money. And then cards weren't popular anymore. And so they come, they come and go. And then what, had hap- what happened to all my cards? Anybody know? They're worth nothing. Like, the cards, like, this box has been, like, I organized it last night because it was in the back of a, of a walk-in closet in my house, and a walk-in closet is a loose term. It's a, it's a closet over my garage. The ceiling's about this high. They said it was a walk-in closet, but they lied on Zillow. <laughs> I put stuff in there that I don't care about, which this, this is one of them. 
let my kids put their grubby hands in here. There's cars that are sticky. There's cars that are bent. We, we, don't, we don't know what's in this box. There could be a million dollars, but probably not. More than likely, I have a box full of crap. I pull a card up. I don't even know who these people are. Like I got, I got a Jim Morrison, the baseball player card. He was on the Pirates. 1986, he had 23 home runs and 88 RBIs. I don't even know what this guy did. Like it, if, and if the truth is, I have this box, and uh, it's worth nothing. In the stock world, they call this holding the bag. You have all this perceived. You ever been there? Oh, I got all this. And it's, you, 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 you don't sell, and then it's just worthless. And so by the end of this message, I want you to see those grudges that you're holding, that they add zero value to your life by the end of this. That it, it is actually to the detriment of who you are as a person. That you're, you're holding the bag, so to speak. That there's, there's no value. The hurts, the pains, the unforgiveness, the people that have gossiped about you, the people that abuse you, the people that have lied about you. Like that, that, that's, that's life. That's all of us can go, go to those moments that when you hold that, even though maybe they seem so important to you that if you would really step back, you would realize you're holding a box of nothing. It brings no value to your life. That's why the Bible is so adamant about getting rid of it. Like it knows, like we, for years I've heard, one of the heaviest things you can hold on to is a grudge. Uh, one of the best coaches of all time, John Wooden, he, he said it like this. He said, uh, don't hold a grudge. It takes up room in your heart. It takes up time in your life. And it takes up space in your mind. It's a complete waste of time. The writer in the Bible, Paul, and so if you don't know who Paul is, um, Paul is the first missionary um, of Jesus Christ. He's the first one to share the gospel with the world. And uh, his original name is Saul, and he kills Christians in the beginning of the Bible, when the, when the story starts in the gospels. And then his life is changed, and he becomes a preacher. And when he starts to follow the call of God in his life, stuff goes worse. It doesn't go better. He, he, if there was ever somebody who could hold grudges, it was Paul. Like, people abandoned him. People talked bad about him. People made fun of him. He would travel all over the world and start churches and then leave those churches. And while he was gone, they would start talking about how he wasn't a good preacher. He was short. He was ugly. He had all sorts of scars from getting beat. There was other guys doing it better. If there was ever somebody who could feel used and abused, it was Paul. But he knew something that many of us need to, need to know. He says it really simply in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, get rid. Everybody say get. Say rid. Look at your neighbor. Say get rid. Look at your other neighbor. Say get a breathman. I'm just playing. And so drank coffee. You got to put some gum in, right? Get rid of all bitterness, he says. Get rid of rage and of anger, of brawling and of slander, and along with every form of malice. Now, what he's doing is he's ending with malice because malice is another word for grudge holding. It actually means to um, refer to the intention or desire to do harm or inflict injury to someone. It, it involves the deliberate thinking of how can I get that person back? How can I repay evil for evil? So he describes a list of what happens when you have grudges in your life. He says, you're gonna struggle with bitterness. Bitterness is going to affect you and everybody else around you. Anybody ever struggle with rage? You don't know why? 
You don't know why you overreact. You don't know why you, you act a certain way. You don't know why you keep punching holes through walls. It's probably because you struggle with malice and a grudge. Maybe you have a deep level of just underlying anger, right? They call this a Philadelphian. You just, just <laughs> low-level anger. You just, it just, you, you don't even know why. You just wake up and you just have, it's, everything just irritates you just a little bit. Like you're not punching holes in walls, but you're angry. Some of you, you just go straight redneck. You just brawl, right? Like we're just going to fight. Others of you, others of you, you know you struggle with, with, with grudges because you slander. What, what's slander? That's gossip. You share your hurt with everybody else, right? You tell everybody else about what this person did to you. You struggle with grudges. Paul says, get what? What does he say? Get what? Get rid. Let me tell you why you should get rid of it. I'm going to give you an acronym. Preachers love acronyms. And I want to give you an acronym for the word rid because I want you to see by the end of this, okay, I got, I got to figure out how to get rid of grudges in my life because they're complete waste. They add no value to my life. It's like biting myself and expecting it to hurt the other person. Let me give you a few thoughts on why you should get rid of grudges. Number one is this. Uh, the first thing, the R, is it's restricting. It is absolutely restricting to your life. You think you have it, but the truth is it has you. You think you're holding somebody back and you're doing something to them, but the truth is, is that hurt that they, they've, they've given to you, that is actually restricting and imprisoning your life. Now, I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a, I've been a parent for 16 years, and I've not always done parenting right. Anybody else? And uh, I'm going to tell you about something I used to do that I'm, it's been many years, and so, so you probably don't parent like this, but don't judge me based off my parenting. And so, uh, but when my kids were two and a half and about six months old, I used to, on Fridays, it was just me by myself. Some people would call this babysitting. My wife told me that was called parenting, right? And so um, every Friday, the church was new. We didn't have money. Uh, we needed somebody to pay bills and take care of organizational stuff and clean the church, and I couldn't afford anybody. Um, that was real. So Leah, in the early days, would work on Fridays, come and clean the church in Limerick, uh, pay bills, do stuff like that. And I stayed home with the kids. So I would work Sunday through Thursday. Friday would be Daddy's Day. And I got to be honest with you, it's exhausting. If you are a stay-at-home mom, you have the hardest job in the world. If you're a husband and you come home and ask your wife what she did all day, you deserve to get stabbed, right? I'm just telling you. <laughs> it is incredibly difficult work. And so uh, when they were little, I used to pray and fast for nap time. When they're very little, they take two naps. They get up, and they would take a nap in the morning, and then they would spend a couple hours doing what they do and take a nap in the afternoon, and they would stay up for a couple hours, and they would go to bed. And literally, like, I loved them, but, but by the time it was time for nap time, I was like, it's nap time, right? And I was so excited. But then one, Carter got to the age where he only took one nap. So we had a problem. We had, like, I had a baby in the house. I'm trying to feed him. I'm trying to make, trying to make breakfast, trying to, make, like, figure it all out. And so legitimately, um, my son, Carter, he was obsessed. So there's new cartoons that are out now, but the, the cartoons that were popular then were Baby Einstein, which is the most annoying cartoon ever, right? And, and, and the Backyardigans. You guys remember the Backyardigans? Uniqua and Pablo, Right? Like, the Backyardigans were so popular, they had Backyardigans balloons, that giant. That's how popular the Backyardigans was. And he loved the Backyardigans. And the Backyardigans had a very distinct song. You remember the song? I don't know the words, but this is the sound it was. Remember that song? You old people in here like me. And then at the end, it would go. And then the episode would start. 20 minutes would pass, and then you would hear the music again. 
nah, 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 nah. Okay, so Carter's two and a half years old. He does not like to be restricted. He does not like to sit still. But if the backyard again was on, he sat still. It was a miracle. So when Lincoln would go take a nap in the morning, I was so tired. I used to get on the couch. This is where I'm going to confess to you my awful parenting. I would lay on the couch. I would get him. He's two years old. I would say, hey, come lay with me. And I, he didn't want to sit still unless I put the backyardigans on. I would put the backyardigans on. Nah, 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 nah. All that stuff would happen. I would close my eyes, right? I would take a nap. And I trained myself 20 minutes of nap. And then you would hear the music again. Nah, 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 nah. Wake up, right? Find your Comcast controller. Go to the next episode, back to sleep. So I'm like, how long did you do that? Sometimes two hours, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it was parenting. And uh, it was funny because he thought, my two and a half year old son, I remember he would think like, I got dad. I got all this screen time. I'm controlling the situation. But the truth is I was controlling him without him knowing I was controlling him. And a lot of you think, oh, I got control. This anger, it's helping me to control my situation. This anger, this, this grudge, this, this bitterness, oh, man, it, it feels good. I'm, I couldn't control that, but now I'm controlling this. And I need you to understand something. That grudge that you're holding on to, it's actually restricting your life. It's actually holding you back. You think you have it, but the truth is it has you. We know this from scripture. Now, anybody love a good Jerry Springer story? No, I'm talking about, like Jerry Springer could have had a talk show in the Bible. I'm just telling you. And I love some family drama, right? Makes me feel better about my family situation. Sometimes you read the Bible, you're like, that's some, that's some, that's some stuff. Like I would have watched that episode, right? Probably twice. And uh, in the Old Testament, there's this, there's this family. Um, the father's name is Isaac, and he has twins with his wife. And the twins' names are Jacob and Esau. And the Bible tells us this is a very competitive family. These brothers are very competitive. From the very beginning, Esau comes out first. The Bible says he was red and hairy, right? Like some of you, like, I'm going to give that back, right? And so, right? And then the Bible says that Jacob, who, who is, is going to be more of a mama's boy, comes out. And when he comes out, he's grabbing the heel of Esau. Like they are competing with each other from the moment of birth, right? And so for the rest of their life, they're competitive. Esau was a hunter. Esau makes like soup and like 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 stew and stuff like that with the meat. Esau's close with his father Isaac. Jacob is more of a mama's boy. He likes to do pottery and, and watch Hallmark movies, right? And so, and he spends time with his mom and they're, they're extreme, there's extreme division in the family to the point where uh, Isaac's on his deathbed. He's about to give um, his inheritance to his sons. Like, so common practice, older son gets two thirds of the inheritance, younger son gets one third. I think we should bring that back and I get it, amen. And so, um, but because of the state of Isaac and because of Jacob and his mother and because of how competitive they were, they thought to themselves, we could probably trick um, my father Isaac out of the birthright that Esau's going to get and I can take it. It's a true story. In the Bible, um, he dresses up in fake fur so he feels how hairy was Esau, right? Fake fur. And he makes himself smell like Esau, and he makes the, the same soup that Esau would, would make, and he takes it to his father, right? And he serves his father, and his father thinks it's Esau. He blesses uh, Isaac and gives him two-thirds of the inheritance. Then Esau shows up, and he's like, I'm ready for my stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I thought I just gave it to you. So how many of you know when that happens, he's mad? 
He wants to hold a grudge. And here's what his father says to Esau in response. He says, your dwelling will be away from the earth's rich, richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off from your neck. That's really key. When you get tired of carrying this weight around, you'll throw the yoke off. What's a yoke? A yoke is a farming tool that a farmer would put around a big beast, right? And the beast is more powerful than the farmer, but the farmer's controlling the beast. What he's saying is you're going to allow yourself through your anger to be controlled by your brother Jacob. The Bible says he holds a grudge with, with, with Jacob because of his blessing of his father that it was given to him. And he said, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I'm going to go kill Jacob. And he spends 20 years being mad at his brother. 20 years being restricted. 20 years being impacted. 20 years not being able to get away from it. I wonder how many years you've given up. See, the problem is when you don't get rid, that grudge becomes your lid. It limits your ability to become who God has called you to be. You can't step into the future that God has called you to step into because you won't let go of someone from your past. You can't have the marriage that God wants you to have because you're still living from the pain of a parent. And so you can't give the love you're supposed to give to your spouse. You can't be the father or mother you're supposed to be because you're still holding on to a grudge from a father and a mother because you thought they were supposed to be that way. You can't be who God's called you to be. It's restricting your life. It's imprisoning your life. The second thing it does, the I, is it becomes identifying. You ever meet someone and you're like, they're mean. All the time. Every Sunday, I'm like, whoa, whoa. Be praying for you. Where they at, right? And uh, I'll tell you, in my life, it was my, my, mom's gram my mom's mom, my grandma. She wasn't Grammy. You didn't call her Grammy. She wasn't a mom mom. She was an Italian grandma. And I remember, um, she lived until she was 99 years old, but she lived with us in her 70s, in her 80s. She came and lived when I was a kid. Uh, at, at our house in her 70s she was so mean like she she was like scary mean like she would watch she would watch and listen to a guy named Rush Limbaugh you remember him but she was not a Republican she was a staunch Democrat she listened to him so she could cuss him out if, if she was listening to him and you bothered her she would cuss him out and she would cuss you out she never talked I don't ever remember her coming up and saying I love you, and, and I'm proud of you. And she, you didn't sit with her. You didn't get a blanket and come cuddle with Grandma, right? Grandma had a deviated septum, and she had lost an eye when she was a kid. She lived during uh, the, the, the time when alcohol was, was not legal, the, what was it called, the prohibition. And so her parents owned a speakeasy, and she lost an eye from a drunk person, knocked over her wooden baby toy. Times have changed, and the, the wood went through her eye, and she lost an eye and deviated her septum. And so, but all I remember, because I didn't know all that, is she sounded like the bad guy on um, the, the, the G.I., not the G.I. Joe, what was it? It was the king of the, king of the universe guy. Remember, I wasn't allowed to watch him. Uh, yeah, not, not the Hercules guy. You know what I'm talking about. He-Man. He-Man. She used to breathe like the bad guy in He-Man, and so... If she fell asleep, you just stayed away from grandma. And it, I remember just that, like that, if you asked me when I was a kid, hey, do you have a good grandma? No. She's mean. She curses. My best memories of grandma are walking to Ames with grandma, right? That was about as close as I got to grandma. We walked in Boyertown to Ames. So let me wander around Ames as a five-year-old. Times have changed. 
And then years later, she, uh, she retired, or, or she went to the retirement home, the, the, the old person's home in her 90s. And she flipped the script, you know what I'm talking about? And she got nice all of a sudden. And she started sharing her life and what she had been through and about her, her dad and her dying and her mom not being nice and her mom plotting her against her sister. And you ever meet somebody who they're, they're like so old, but they start telling the story and they get mad all over again? And you're like, and you start realizing like, like what had happened is, is my, my grandma was an expert grudge holder. Like she was an Italian. There was people she got in a fight with in her 40s that she never talked to again. And it identified her to the point where when I saw my grandma, I'm not thinking, oh, she went through a lot in her life. I'm thinking, what a jerk. And this is the sad part. Because what happens is what you don't allow God to heal, right? What you hold, God can't heal. Listen, and what you don't allow healing to come into your life, you always end up dealing to somebody else. You end up giving to somebody else the pain of what, you ever said this, I'm never gonna be like that. And then you find yourself saying the exact same thing your parents said. Acting the exact same way. Reacting the exact same way. It's a revealer. You're still struggling with the grudge that you haven't let go of. It begins to identify your life. You think, right, that, that you go from it being something that happened to you to something that is past through you. That's why the Bible says, uh, uh, Paul reminds us, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There's a difference. I, I've been crucified with Christ. Who, who, I, who I was, what I've been through, I'm no longer that person. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You ever been there? We're going to do marriage class. Some of you don't understand the person you're married to. We keep saying, are you sick of your, your, your husband? I keep hearing chuckles from women, <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, you probably need to come to class, right? It's free. You should be here. And uh, we have a professional counselor coming. I'm not teaching it. And so some of you are like, I'm not coming if you're teaching it, right? You need help. And so we got a professional counselor coming. It's absolutely free. You should be here. But you're married to somebody. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand who they are. I wrote a couple, like there's wives, you're dealing with an angry, overbearing husband that was, that was born years ago. Like think about it. They're not angry at you. That was born years ago when your husband, because he had an overbearing mother that pushed your, your son never, was never good, or your, your, her kid it was never good enough, pushed him to the brink uh, of losing his mind. And now he acts towards you because of what he experienced from his mom. Some of you have a wife, and your, your wife is cold and distant, and you don't understand why. You're like, why? And you, you, don't, you don't see it? What, they, there's a grudge there. What's the grudge? They went through something when they were a kid. They had a perverted family member that touched them or did things to them. Maybe they shouldn't have done. And that same behavior that she utilized to avoid unwanted advances as a young woman is now what she uses against her husband because she's been identified by it. And it's all over the place. You look at people like, why are you so angry? They didn't just, they weren't, you ever see a baby that's just born angry? Like they usually calm down and they're nice. It's because they've taken the punches and the abuse of life and it's now become who they are. Identifying. And the last one, this is what I think is the, is the, the saddest is it becomes destroying. It restricts your life. It identifies your life. And ultimately ends up destroying everything. We know this from scripture. Paul says that he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It's like a grenade in your hand. What happens if you pull the pin of a grenade and you're holding it? 
Come on, you seen war movies? What happens? It blows up. What are you supposed to do with a grenade? Throw it. That, that, that grudge in your hand is a ticking time bomb. And if you don't figure out how to get rid of it, it will destroy and impact and ruin every relationship that you have. It destroys. That's why Paul is so adamant. Get rid. So here's the question then. How do you do that? that, that that's an important question. Okay. Okay, I'm going to get rid. So I'm going to be in agreement with that. Uh, I hope all of us are in agreement. I'm going to get rid. How, how do I do that? And so what I love is Paul doesn't just say get rid, you know, all this stuff and just walk away and be like figure it out on your own. He tells you exactly how to live a life that is quickly grudge free. Now let me tell you something. You are never going to stop having opportunities to get angry. If you breathe, people are going to make you mad. If you have a family, they're going to let you down. It's just the way life is. How do you move quickly through grudges and not let the grudge overtake your life? Nothing worse than dying in your grudges. Nothing worse. What do you do? Watch what he says. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Remember he said get rid of, right? Get rid of. He tells you exactly how. Be kind and compassionate to one another. But he's going to tell you exactly how to do that. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Watch what he says. Forgive each other just as in Christ uh, God forgave you. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to forgive each other just as Jesus forgave you. So here, here's the problem. Some of you don't know what Jesus did for you. I'm going to explain it to you. Others of you have been in church for too long and you forget. Let me just... If, if we were getting judged based on our sins, okay, so let's just, let's just run down sins. Can we do that today? Anybody lie this week? Don't put your hand up. But I can't. Anybody lie about your weight this week? Go to the doctor. How much you weigh? Oh, about 173, right? What's your diet like? It's good, right? It's good. You just ate McDonald's before you got there. Right? Anybody covet anything this week? You're like, oh, man, I want that. I need that. That person doesn't deserve that. I should have that. Anybody lust this week? Anybody steal something this week? Um, Anybody think anything hateful this week? I mean, okay, so if I just keep going, are we we all sinners? Can we just, can you just agree? Are we all sinners? Okay, this is not the 8 o'clock service. Everybody's perfect there. It's a 9.30 service. 11 o'clock service, they're going to shout me down, throw an offering up here, right? Okay, we're all sinners. Everybody in this room is a sinner. Okay, so if we were judged based on our sin and we came walking through these doors and there's a holy, righteous, perfect God and you came walking through these doors in your sin and in your sin alone, there'd be a big gavel that just, boom, hits you. Right? The only reason you're here is because of the grace of God. Are you tracking with me? The only reason you get to come to church is because of the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God being new for you every morning. And the problem is, the longer that you're a Christian, the least you care about that. You're like, yeah, he saved me, but, but really, really, we're, we're kind of in this thing together now. Like, I'm doing a lot of good stuff for him, and we're kind of partners now. And the truth is, listen, every day you fall short of the glory of God and you need forgiveness and grace and mercy. And so the more in love that you fall with the the cross and the, the burial of Christ and the power of Christ and the grace of Christ, the more you see that, the more forgiving, the more free you live. So Jesus ends with this story because people are always asking that. Look, well, how many times I got to do that? You ever ask that? 
How many times? And uh, Peter asked that one time. He says, hey, Jesus, he's a disciple. He says, how many times I got to forgive people? And Peter's like, seven? And Jesus is like, oh, Peter. He's like, not seven. He's like, 70 times seven. Peter's a fisherman, so he's like, 70 times seven, carried the zero, four. He's like, hey, John, how much is that? I know you like math, right? You're a dork. And so like, and, and Jesus stops him. He's like, bro, he's like, that's not the, I'm, he's like, I'm being facetious. I'm just trying to tell you that you should keep forgiving. Because when you don't keep forgiving, you won't be free. So he tells this story. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories about falling in love with the forgiveness of God. Matthew uh, chapter 16 and verse number 23, Jesus tells a story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So the king is God and the servants are, are me and you. This, this, this is the story. Don't, you're not the king, right? The king is God. The servants are, are normal people, me and you. The Bible says, as he began to the settlement, he wanted to settle his accounts with these servants. As he began the settlement, a man comes in who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, now, everybody, how many talents did he owe him? Tell me. Okay, Montgomeryville, tell me, 10,000. Okay, let me just show you, let me show you something real fast. Let me just show you what he's saying. Okay, so I want you to keep up with me. Okay, so how many talents did he owe? Okay, you're fading. How many talents did he owe? Okay, it's important, 10,000. He's going to introduce us to another um, part of money, a denarii in a second. And so he says, this man owes 10,000. Okay, so one talent at that time, it equaled 6,000 denarii. How many did he own? Okay, one equals 6,000. Now here's what's interesting. One denarii, now this, I'm glad I don't live back then, equals one day's wage. One, so one denarii, one day's wage. One talent then equals how many days of work? 6,000. Okay, some of you are trying to do the math in your head. You're like that, right? And so, okay. So 10,000 talents, watch, watch this. Jesus, this is his math, equals 60 million days or 240,000 years of labor. He's screwed. He, he owes a debt. See, religion says, come to God, clean yourself up, act right, maybe God will take you back. Here's what the gospel says. The gospel says, all of sin will fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death and hell. It means you can't pay it back. You deserve death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. Anyone. So the Bible says that the man is like, I can't pay that back. And the king's like, you're right. I'm going to cancel your debt and clear. Could you imagine this? 240,000 years of debt. Dude walks out. He has freedom. Now, that's me and you. You walk out of this place. You walk in a sinner. You walk in with debt. You walk in with shame. You leave this place with joy. You leave this place with freedom. You leave this place with forgiveness. You wake up in the morning. Your mercies are new every day. You're reminded of that. The Bible says this man leaves the king's presence and runs into somebody who owes, them, owes him money. The Bible says the man that owes him money owes him 100 denarii. Now, how, many, how much did you get paid for one, day, one day's labor? You remember? Okay, so math people, how much, how much does this man owe him? Anybody know? About three months, maybe a little more than three months. This guy owes him about three months. And the Bible says, forgetting what had just happened to him, he has the guy who had owed him 100 days of labor thrown into prison until he can pay him back. The king hears about it. He's not happy. 
The Bible says he freaks out, throws him into prison, and says, I gave you the opportunity to walk in forgiveness, and you want to be like that. And then Jesus teaches this little equation, which is so interesting. He says, with the measure you forgive others, that's the same measure that God will use to forgive you. So how how do you live a grudge-free life? Million-dollar forgiveness from God should lead to a million-dollar forgiver. The more you understand what Jesus did for you at that cross, the more giving that you'll be. The more grace that you'll have. I know it hurt. I know it was bad. I know it stole something from you, so to speak. I know it's hard to get over it. But I promise you, letting go of the grudge, that's your, that's your, that's your response. I'm going to let go of the grudge. Listen. The wrath of God, the protection of God, the wisdom of God, that's his responsibility. I'm going to give this to God, and I'm going to let God protect me. I'm going to let God lead me. I'm going to let God stand before me. My response, I'm not going to hold this grudge. It's completely worthless. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet all over this house? And I did this first service. If you're in Montgomeryville, I'm going to send some up to you next week. Sorry. But I want you to do something for me all over this house. I'm going to give you something. Now, when you get it, don't be going through the pile. Can you just do me a favor? Can you just start passing these around? Can you just start passing these around? All over the place. All the way to the back. Can you just start passing these around? Can you do me a favor? Nothing's worth anything. Don't look at them. Can you just start passing these around? Can you do me a favor, Josh? Can you, can you take that to the, to the bleachers and pass those around? There's people everywhere. I'm about to give a lot. This is my, this is my future right here. This is my... This is my future. Okay. And so uh, can, you, can you take those? Can you take those? You guys got more? Okay. Everybody got some? Okay, get, get them in your hand. When you get them in your hand, don't even, don't, 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 don't look and see how much it is on your phone. Just get them in your hand. Okay. If you're in Montgomeryville, this is your imaginary card. I'm going to send some up to you next week. Sorry, I should have thought better in advance. But our card, his name is Bob Kipper. And so, uh, Bob Kipper, you ever hear of him? And so, um, I want you to get your card in your hand. And I want, this, I want this to be a reminder to you this week. I want you to put it somewhere. Put it, put it on your dashboard. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your wallet. Put it somewhere. Every time you're tempted to go back to that grudge, I want you to look at this, this baseball card. More than likely, it's worth nothing. If you did get a card that's worth money, you better tithe off of it. I'm just saying. But more than likely, it's just, just a common card. I just want you to remind yourself that thing that I'm tempted to hold on to, it has no value to my life. It, it, has, it, it has no bearing on my future. Nobody can steal from you anything that God made for you. Did you know that? The Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? The Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I want you, every time, I want to look, I'm going to look, mine's going to be Bob Kipper. I'm going to look at Bob Kipper every day this week. And gonna remind myself, this has no value in my life. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna make every effort, the Bible says. I'm gonna rid myself. How am I gonna rid myself? I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus. And I'm gonna fall in love with his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy in my life. And I'm gonna give to others what he freely gave to me. The more I fall in love with him, the more I'll let go of my desire for grudges and revenge in my life, the more free that I'll be. Would you do me a favor as you hold that card? 
Uh, maybe you got the name of the person. Maybe that Bob Kipper, that actually represents a dad or a mom or a family member or somebody who hurt you in your past or somebody that, something that, somebody that said something to you. Would you just close your eyes all over this house and no tricks. Some of you never been here before. Like, what's about to happen? Nothing. I just want you to forget about everybody else who's here. They don't really matter right now to you. You were made by, by a God. The Bible says before the foundations of the world that you were put here, you have purpose and meaning. He loves you no matter what has been said to you. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He has good in store for your life. He did everything he could to get to you. The Bible says while you were a sinner that his son was dying on a cross for your sins. Long before you were thinking of him, he was thinking of you. So no tricks. I just want you to hold that card and I want you to, right now, I want you to name that person. Not out loud, just in your head. This, this, is, this represents that person. Maybe for some of you it's multiple people. And I just want you, I want you, in, in your own mind, just, God, I want to rid myself of this. And so, God, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Some of you have never heard the gospel before. The gospel is good news. It's a free gift of salvation. That's the gospel. It's not religion. This is not a religious place. I don't know what you've heard about church. But religion just makes people more miserable causes more separation, causes more fear. Religion says you do right, and then God will take you. The gospel says you've done nothing right. And God came and met you at your worst. And he died on a cross for your sins. He shed his blood as an atonement, as, an a, pay, as a payment. And he paid the price of your sins in full, past, present, and future. For if you would put your faith, the Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you would be saved. That salvation is found through Jesus. Hope is found through Jesus. Forgiveness is found through Jesus. Purpose is found in Jesus. It's always, only, ever Jesus. That's why I love this message. Think about the scope and the magnitude of those that are in this room. The stories of what we've been through, the pain of what we experienced. But the answer is simple. It's Jesus. So the Bible says if you would call on him, if you would call on him, that he would meet you, he would answer, he would save you, he would heal you, he would forgive you, and he would set you free. You become a new creation. Jesus said it's like being born again. Instead of living in response to what's been done to you, what's been said to you, you begin to live in response to what God did for you on that cross. So I'm going to give you a chance. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you dealing with your grudges. Some of you um, dealing with your stuff going on. And uh, I'll tell you, I think Jesus is real. I think he really loves you. I think time is precious. I think he set this moment up in time, that seat that you're in right now. I think he knew you were going to be there. I think he planned this service out. I think he wants to have a relationship with you so bad that even this message, some of you have been thinking about coming to church for years, and this message, it felt like God was speaking right to you. And he is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants a relationship with you. This is your opportunity. Let him in. Let him in. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. It takes humility. It takes faith. It takes a little bit of courage. I'm not worried about the person to my right or left. I think God's real. I feel his presence. And from this day forward, I want a relationship with him. As you're praying all over this house, if I, as, as I'm speaking, it's like I'm talking to you right now. And you say, hey, that's me. 
I don't, I don't know Christ here in Montgomeryville. I don't know Christ, but I want to. I'm in Phoenixville. I don't know Jesus. I'm watching online. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I would love to lead you in a simple prayer. Many have lovingly called this the sinner's prayer. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer where you give up control of your life and you say, God, you can have it all. It's a prayer of freedom. It's the first day of the rest of your life. I don't know Christ, but I need to. All over this house, nobody looking around just for a moment. I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. In Montgomeryville, I need Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm letting go of all grudges. I'm stepping into a relationship with him, and I want to experience real forgiveness in my life. From this day forward, I'm going to follow him. If that's you, I've been talking to you all day long today. You're like, that's me. Would you just shoot your hand straight in the air and say, unashamedly, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I see a hand. I see a hand. Yes, yes, yes. I want Jesus Christ to heal me. I want him to forgive me. Some of you are like, why are you clapping? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when one person responds to the gospel, all of heaven stops to celebrate. I love that. Literally, all of heaven, the saints, the angels, they're all stopping to celebrate one person coming home. So if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't all over this house, let's pray this prayer together in Montgomeryville. Say, Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. I believe in you. I know you love me. Because you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe in power, you rose from the dead. And because of you, I'm a brand new person. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. You can have it all. And as we celebrate that all over this house and in Montgomeryville, right now, everybody who's holding that card, all of us that know you, we want to walk in freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so, Lord, we, we have that card that represents that grudge. We're just going to give it to you. We're going to be reminded over and over and over again this week, this serves me no purpose. This adds no value to my life. Time is too precious. I'm never getting this moment back. And, Lord, what they did to me, what they said about me, how they lied about me, Lord, it doesn't change how you feel about me. And so, Lord, I'm going to walk in your truth. I'm going to walk in your freedom. I'm going to step into your future. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for all this. In your name that we pray all over our houses. Would you shout amen one more time? Would you clap your hands with me? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.